When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell will be along with us in just a moment here on your Tuesday morning. Again, so much happened over the long weekend. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their uh, MLK holiday yesterday. Back at it again this morning. One thing, though, that we talked about right at the end of last week as we were heading into the weekend is it seemed like this was likely to happen Gilbert Edmond making his return to the South Carolina's roster after spending a year down at Florida State playing on their defensive end. And, you know, again, these guys aren't owed. They don't owe us a press conference or anything on why exactly they make these moves to leave or ultimately to come back. But, um, you know, he decided to come back after, you know, playing roughly half the snaps down there at Florida State as he did the season before at South Carolina and probably not putting up the numbers that, he was probably hoping for, as I anticipate, he wanted to go on to the NFL draft, um, you know, once the season had wrapped up. But for whatever reason, that didn't end up happening. And uh, now he's back as a Gamecock again. Yeah, interesting path for Gilbert Edmond. And, you know, you don't see this a lot, um, but it's just another example of just how interesting this new transfer portal era is, you know, where you have a guy, you get a guy, he leaves. And he comes back. You know, you, you can see this. And so th- this one's actually been kind of polarizing, Tyler. A lot of opinions. Uh, if you have opinions, send them in. Firehouse subs text line, 803-446100. I've seen all sides of this coin. I've seen, hey, good for Gilbert, good for South Carolina. People remember that he had kind of a breakout season. Not Not a superstar season, right? But he had his best season as a college player in 2022 here at South Carolina under Sterling Lucas. You've seen some of that. You've also seen people say, get this guy out of here. Don't don't let him back under no circumstance should this happen, um, which is interesting. You know, me, I, I'll say where I land on it. I don't think you pull the trigger on this move every single time if you're Shane Beamer, if you're South Carolina. It depends on the circumstances. There are there are other players who have left South Carolina through the transfer portal that if they wanted to come back at some point, uh, I know for a fact they would have been welcomed back. Sure. There are others that have left that I know for a fact would not have been welcomed back. So it's not just this blanket policy. Some people have said, ah, well, this just establishes a precedent that anybody can come back. It really doesn't. Now, you can still have your thoughts on – Hey, I wouldn't have done it here, and and that's fine. I, I was gonna say, I feel like, at least I would hope, most of the players probably know if they're gonna be able to come back to their respective school based on how they leave, yeah, more likely right. than not. That's and, right. Yeah. And I wasn't here when Gilbert Edmond left, but from what I heard, it didn't sound like he burned his bridges, and he no. wasn't flipping birds going out the door, and you know, saying blank you and blank you or anything like that. Like you know, and again, you never know where your path's going to end up. You could end up being a situation where you do end up having to come back. And again, this isn't a common theme across college football, but look at Austin Sogner. 
Mm-hmm. Comes over to South Carolina, follows Spencer Rattler, plays for a year, goes back to Oklahoma. Like this is something that does happen and may be more prevalent, um, you know, as the the transfer rules, you know, continue to change. But um, again, it's kind of one of those things. Like, and you can also understand to a degree why he may have left. It's like, okay, I had a great season here, Florida State at that point in time, viewed as a little bit better program. I can go down there, play closer to home, contribute on what ended up being a really good defense down there and maybe that can springboard me to the NFL or whatever it may be and I'm sure there was an NIL component to that too so it's not like I'm gonna you can sit here and say well I don't know why he would leave like there are reasons in there and for whatever reason it didn't work out and he decided to come back well and a lot of people you know I remember this is one of this was one of the first transfer portal defections for South Carolina Mm -hmm. that kind of hit people right because this was a guy that had had a pretty good year he was a starter and so it was one of the ones that people looked around and went, wait a minute, what what's going on here? Right. You know, we've got a guy who seemed to be playing quite well, and 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 now he's leaving. And so a lot of people, um, whether you were just wondering why it happened, um, a lot of people were upset about it and kind of, hey, you know, it's this new era where there's no loyalty. Well, now he wants to come back. So, t- you know, and I, again, this is just my opinion. When you're looking at it, if you were mad about the guy leaving – this is basically, you know, saying, "Hey, maybe I shouldn't have left." Right. You know, I'm, I'm good. I, I would like to come back. And so, um, again, it can, it can be a good example. Now, there's going to be, let's be clear here, there are players that will leave South Carolina mm-hmm. in the next several years. There will be players that will leave after next year, probably including guys who play key roles on the team, starters. The transfer portal era. You're going to yeah. see it. Yeah. And. They might go to another school and excel. They might go to another school and not excel, quote unquote. But you're you're going to see this a lot. But you know, if you if you were in the camp of I don't get this, I'm upset by this, why you left? Well, this is basically a situation where kind of on side on all sides, it's being fixed, rectified. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I I just. I think if if you fell into that camp of why did this happen, I, I don't I don't really get how I don't get being upset by somebody coming back. I think the most common argument is is setting a bad precedent. But again, sure. this is not something you're going to apply to every single situation. It's one that they decided to apply here. And I think it's one of those things. We're still very young in the advent of the tra- of the transfer portal, where guys leaving, especially guys that are significant contributors can be seen as surprising. And I, I do wonder, it's going to take some time, at what point do we become numb to it? Because for years and years, guys like leaving college early to go to the NFL after their junior year, like that was an unheard of thing. Like, what do you mean you're going pro? You still have another year of eligibility. And eventually we just got numb to it. Where it's like, all right, well, he played pretty good his junior year. He's he's probably going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody's surprised when Jadavion Clowney's like, yeah, guys, I'm going to go be the number one pick in the draft. Like, we get it. At some point, we're going to get there with the transfer portal. I don't know how far <laughs> along that is. It feels like we're not really close because, again, we're like, oh, my God, why would this guy leave after having a such great year and seeing the response to Juice Wells and all that kind of stuff? Like, we're a ways away from that, but we'll seemingly get there eventually, I think. Well, and another example of exactly the like kind of phenomenon you're talking about culturally in college football is the opt-outs of the bowl game. That too. I mean, remember when Christian McCaffrey opted out of, what was that, the Sun Bowl or something? Uh, yeah, because that, that was, I think they went to the Rose Bowl his junior year or something. Yeah, so he opts out of a bowl game, and it's like, whoa. You can do that? Like, somebody's not playing in a bowl game to go start getting prepared. Now, 
you're almost surprised if yeah. there's a guy who's an NFL draft pick, like a high NFL <laughs> draft pick, surefire, if they but, play in a bowl game. Well, now we ask, like, why would he do that? He's going to get hurt. Yeah. He's going to affect his draft stock. He's going to affect his draft stock. He needs to be down in, in Miami training or, or, or whatever it is. So it is different. Um, I think for now, for the foreseeable future, I think if there's a player who is contributing on a team as a starter, a major, you know, if that guy leaves, I think there's still going to be some some shock about it on the part of most people. Sure. Hey, he's a starter. Why is he leaving? And people are naturally then going to go to what are the reasons? Yeah. You know, and so well, it's it's going to be, oh, it must be NIL. Sure. It must be uh, a problem in the building. And, and sometimes those are yet the answer to those yes maybe it's both maybe it's one of them sometimes it's something else something else entirely well i go back to what wes likes to bring up a lot in terms of the healthy transfers where again every single team across the country deals with guys leaving in the transfer portal every single year it's just a natural part of college football now when you look at guys like colton gothier you know tanner bailey um what uh, 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 uh kelton horton um some of these guys that just weren't getting playing time it's like I can see that I can understand and whether that means they're going to go play at a lower level or a group of five or whatever it may be like okay they want to go somewhere where they feel like they can see the field that's understandable but yeah when you're looking at like a contributor somebody that's you know a main part of your offense or defense or whatever it may be like Stone Blanton you know was one of your starting linebackers and he decides to go to the transfer portal and go play closer to home like like you said that that's still kind of where I guess people will be shocked and be like okay well you're we're gonna play again next year here you're gonna have the same role What's the reason for leaving? And again, a lot of the time it is going to come down to NIL and saying, hey, I saw that I'm a little bit more valuable than what they may think I'm at here, and let me go over to this place that's theoretically going to pay me more. Yeah, and you you just got to do such a good job. When I say you, meaning just each school. <laughs> me, I got I to gotta do this. You got to do it. Uh, e- each school, I mean, they're just constantly, I think, on notice every day now. Because you can you can do everything right. You can be – I mean, look at Georgia. They're in as good a shape as any college football program you, you could possibly be. They have NIL resources. They have – they play people – even though they're loaded, they play players early. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to Georgia or Alabama, places like that, and play as a freshman. That's been proven um, if you're the best player. Uh, they've got – really good coaching they they win right they've got they check all the boxes sure. they still had people leave after this year and some some surprising ones so, uh, uh, javon dumas johnson who transferred to kentucky, kentucky. Like, that was their starting linebacker yeah like, you're just like this doesn't make much sense yeah but the mechanism is now in place to where players can players can change you know i mean if, if you look in the pros nfl since keep it on foot on the same sport on football you know, if if everybody in the NFL worked on a series of one-year contracts, people would be looking around every single year. Like, every single year, you would wonder where guys are going. Now, we haven't gotten that far. Some some people are saying, man, I, I'm not even going to follow recruiting because nobody's going to play for the team. That's going a little bit far, right? Right. We're, we're not there yet. But it is a situation where now college coaches, fans – Media guys like me, like you, like Wes, we are looking around going, well, God, we, we got to monitor not only is the guy going to sign with the school, but you do kind of have to keep an eye on in the offseason when the transfer portal window is open. 
is it possible that this guy may leave? Because sometimes it may be someone that, like you said, doesn't even totally make sense or something that you might not expect on the surface. Sure, absolutely. And again, with the changing nature of the transfer portal and, you know, the NCAA, what right now is a temporary, you know, hold on a rule that allows everybody to transfer this offseason it's very realistic that role could you know that rule could get changed to being all the time because it's going to go into court once again and if it is found to be violating antitrust guess what the NCAA is going to lose again and that means you know more free agency than we're already dealing with so again we're going to get nub to it at some point but you bring up a good point like if you have a solid contributor somebody that is a key part of your team and they decide to leave then you're still going to be asking those same um, questions we'll continue our conversation on this get some thoughts from the firehouse subs text line as well again 803404 6100, your thoughts on Gilbert Edmond coming back to South Carolina for 2024. That's up next here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on the game, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game in Florence, uh, 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV. Again, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra Ed, Chris Clark, along with you, Wes Mitchell, will be in with us in just a moment. Obviously, been talking about Gilbert Edmond making his return to South Carolina. Uh, nameless texter weighs in and says, "All those who are getting mad, Edmond is coming back. I guarantee, he broke up and got back together with the same woman several times. A uh, little bit of a different scenario there, but I can see the see the similarities. And again, as long as you're not burning your bridge and it's like, well, I hate this place, screw you guys, I'm going to wherever. I think that door is always open. And, and you look at a guy like Xavier McLeod." and the way that he left and, and seemingly wanting to redshirt himself when, you know, seemingly the plan going into Missouri weekend was like, no, you're going to play because we think you're going to be a part of what we need to be successful this weekend and for the rest of the season going forward. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And then leaving and now going to Georgia, like I, the door may be closed on a guy like that. And, well, and there was a lot, lot more than that yeah. on, on Xavier McLeod uh, behind closed doors. And and since you're on that, Tyler, whoo, he's given some uh, – Talking about burning the bridge, he's given some interviews. I, I've I've seen those, and I'm sure you've seen them uh, to Georgia media, and uh, mm, probably it, probably not the best handling. If he if he had a PR uh, consultant, they probably advise him to go about that a different way. Yeah, just a little yeah. bit a little bit differently. I I when he committed to Georgia, this was right before Christmas. I remember texting one of my former coworkers where I used to work at in radio. I was like. Good get, obviously, four-star guy, you know, defensive lineman, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, watch him. There's some <laughs> things behind the scenes that super. could could cause problems. And, and super talented, uh, super, super talented, as as he was at South Carolina and showed flashes of that. But, um, yeah, that that was, you know, that's kind of the opposite of Gilbert Edmond. Yeah. You know, for Gilbert, uh, a a graceful exit and, and, an, and an exit, right? Xavier yeah. McLeod. Dismissed from the team, you know, yes, different, different, difference. different situation, and so, um, you know, just kind of a parting of ways where he left, and and everybody felt good about him, uh, about him being able to come back. And here's the thing: there, there's no guarantee that Gilbert Edmonds is going to slide back into that same production that he had two years yeah. ago because the defensive end room looks completely different now. I mean, looking at it this morning, the only guys he'd be familiar with are what Brian Thomas, Terrell Dawkins, I guess. Was the only two that yeah. were here when he was there because Strawn's obviously moving on, and you brought in you know, Elijah Davis, Kyle Kennard, um, Gear, Umezulu came in as a mm-hmm. freshman last year, Dylan Stewart coming in. Like, it's a completely different room now. It is a different room. And, you know, you look at this too, a lot of different things to consider when you're thinking about 
taking somebody from the transfer portal in general. Now, that now obviously, the fact that he had been here and left, that adds another layer mm-hmm. that if you're Shane Beamer, Sterling Lucas, Clayton White, you have to think about all those things, you know, and, and it's all the things that we've discussed. What, you know, what does it look like? What are the effects on the team? Will he be welcome back? Should we should we welcome him back? And ultimately, they decided to. But, you know, I think it's something that makes sense because we, we weren't really, aside from Gilbert Edmond, I can't say that we were really, really monitoring the staff going into the portal and taking another edge prospect. Like, if one had popped up that made sure. a lot of sense, they probably would have looked at it. Well, one popped up that made sense. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. been here. And, you know, his best year in 2022, his breakout season, yeah, had a good year. I mean, he had 39 tackles, nine tackles for loss, had a couple sacks, nine hurries. He started 10 games yep. for South Carolina, primarily because Jordan Strong did go down with an ACL injury against Arkansas. And so um, he was kind of forced into more action than you would have thought. But at the time he left here, he'd gotten up to 250 pounds. He was a guy that Sterling Lucas felt like had a chance preseason to make a pretty big leap, and he ended up doing that. So now you're adding a guy that has several years of college experience to this room. So you've got some youth with Dylan Stewart, with with Des Yu, as you said, you've got some guys that have some experience. You know, Kyle Kennard as a transfer. Elijah Davis now in year two at South Carolina, assuming he, he stays out there at the edge position. you got Brian Thomas, who has shown to be a, a quality pass rusher in situations for you. And then JT Gear, who had a couple of different nagging injuries last year, but also has promise. So you add all those guys together – and it might give you a chance to have more production at the edge position this year. And you mentioned that experience and just kind of looking at the rundown here, and I've talked about this when it comes to, you know, the defensive front um, and, you know, the guys playing on the D-line, but but looking at both the edge spot as well as linebacker, your first two levels of defense this upcoming season are going to be very, very experienced, very, very senior heavy, you know, defensive tackle. Again, looking here, you got five guys listed as seniors, three guys listed as juniors, you know, defensive end, Edge spot, you got four guys as seniors, two guys as juniors. Linebacker, four guys as seniors. Uh, Mo Cobb, still technically this is a junior, assuming that he can go. But you're going to have so much experience and so many like veteran guys playing in those three, four-ish spots across the front of your defense there um, that uh, hopefully can translate to, to more success uh, when the fall rolls around. Yeah, this is not going to be a situation where anyone can say, this is a young defense, you know, that – that will not be the case. There will be some young guys who factor in. Sure. You know, you think about uh, Dylan Stewart. Think about maybe Fred Johnson, Wendell Gregory at linebacker may be able to get a look. Um, you think about Jalewis Solomon yeah. at a corner spot. And, and even some of the guys, I mean, Judge Collier, Emery Floyd, these are still younger players in terms of their own on-field experience. But overall, your starters and even a lot of your depth guys, they played a good bit of football at South Carolina or other places. And mm-hmm. so for me, that is the the bigger question this season is not uh, experience. It is, you know, how do the guys that spent most of that experience or all of it at other places, you know, how do they integrate? And then ultimately, you know, how good are they is another thing because yep. um, it, it's just a question, right? When you're getting a guy from one program to another, you've got – Someone, for example, you mentioned linebacker Demetrius Knight. 
he's been at Georgia Tech, so he's mm-hmm. played Power Five ball. But his best year was at Charlotte. So, yep. what does that transition look like? What does Kamara look like coming from Pitt to South Carolina? Um, Kyle Kennard from Georgia Tech to South Carolina, and then you know, can you integrate some of these freshmen? So, the experience is there. You're just going to have a lot of young faces. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, when you talk about the young guys that are coming in as freshmen or some of these guys coming in as transfers that haven't played a lot and if they get out on the field and that's great that means they've earned that spot and they are out there because they are the best fit for that position at that point in time but you know as opposed to what we talked about the offensive line where you're throwing guys out there because you just have to and you don't really have any other bodies you're dealing with injuries or whatever it may be now again tree and tro ended up being just fine on the offensive line we expect them to take big jumps here number two as well but but again that defense is so deep and, and so experienced where the guys that are out there are out there for a reason yeah, last year you could even look at the defensive secondary and, you know, still youthful, you know, because um, D.Q. Smith, Nicky Monroy played, started as true freshmen the year before. But it's not like they're veterans, right. you know. I mean, they um, this year they'll be juniors. You know, uh, Jalen Kilgore will be a sophomore. He played, obviously, a ton last season. O.D. Fortune will have played a lot of ball. The, the younger guys that I mentioned earlier, you know, Judge, Emory Floyd, they'll be a year older because Judge Collier was a true freshman last year. So yep. th- there will, again, I think a theme defensively is that there is plenty of experience on this team. And, and this, you know, Bam Martin-Scott, that linebacker, Debo Williams, we hadn't even talked about those guys who were still on the roster. I mentioned mm-hmm. the transfers earlier coming in with plenty of experience. So, you add up the amount of snaps that these guys have taken, not necessarily together, not necessarily at South Carolina. You add all of them up, a lot of snaps. And so, again, the bigger question is just how they integrate, how productive they can be. There are still a lot of questions for this defense that they have to answer. Uh, but you, this year you're not going to go in saying – Ah, uh, you know, barring injury, mm-hmm. you're not going to go in saying, "Man, there's just we just don't know how these guys are going to react because there's so much youth. We're, we're having to play ten true freshmen out here at huge minutes. If if freshmen earn reps this year, it won't be as much out of necessity. Sure, you know, it'll be more of a situation where, hey, a Dylan Stewart, he's too good to keep off the field. He's one of your best guys, so you're going to end up playing him. Absolutely. Uh, in addition to adding Gilbert Edmonds out of the transfer portal, we also saw some slight shakeups in the coaching staff as well as some contract extensions as well. We'll get into all that coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game out in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game out in Florence, streaming always on the 107.5 The Game app as well as on the Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Tyler Head, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell now joining us in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Uh, obviously spent a lot of the show so far talking about Gilbert Edmonds' return, which is something that we had inkling of you know, going into the weekend and was confirmed over the weekend. Another thing that happened on Friday is we found out some specifics in regards to assistance with South Carolina. In 2024, we'll start off with James Coley, who of course was hired at the beginning of last week, in some kind of offensive role, we didn't know what that was going to be. Uh, we found that on Friday, that is going to be a wide receivers coach. He'll be coaching the wide receivers 
for South Carolina coming up in 2024. Again, a guy that's been around college football for a long time, called plays at various places, Georgia, Florida State, and Miami, and also a very, very good recruiter with a foothold in the uh, South Florida area, which South Carolina would welcome to be able to get some more of that talent out of there. Yeah, Coley uh, has been very active since he um, got the job at South Carolina officially. I mean, my understanding, from what I've heard, hit the ground running. And I um, actually got a piece coming out on Gamecock Central this afternoon that's going to kind of break that, some of this down. But he's uh, he's already dispensed several new offers to guys, uh, a couple from South Florida, one from Louisiana, one from Pennsylvania. So um, you, you can kind of see, and this happens a lot when a new coach is hired, just kind of a shifting of the board. There, there's going to be some guys that were previously on the receiver board that um, he'll he'll continue pursuing. Obviously, we know South Carolina's got some, for instance, some 2026 wide receiver offers out in the Palmetto State in South Carolina. Some local products. You'll you'll hear more with him uh, and those guys in the in the coming days. But also dispensing some new offers. He's been busy early. Malik Clark uh, just landed an offer from up in Rock Hill. Another. In-state guy at receiver, 2025, you're starting to see those guys kind of emerge a little bit. And, you know, I'll be very curious, like Chris said, how does that board shift around a little bit? Every coach, regardless of position group, they kind of have their own, uh, you know, kind of things they look for. I would say from a big-picture standpoint, everybody kind of looks for certain things. But each coach is going to put a different value on certain characteristics, certain skill sets, and – It'll be very intriguing to see kind of how that board shifts and how you know how quickly can Coley make an impact. I I think certainly you look at the South Florida connections. People are going to make a lot about that. We'll see as these junior days get fired up. You know, one this weekend, one the weekend after that. Do we start to maybe see some guys not just at receiver, but maybe where there are relationships at various high schools in his former areas? Maybe that helps, but. But, you know, Cole, he, he's a veteran. He's been well-traveled, obviously has the Miami ties, but has coached at Georgia, has coached at Texas A&M, you know, has been, has been all around. So I, I'll be very curious to see how quickly this impact starts. And, you know, maybe there's a guy he was recruiting at A&M that just pops up. Um, you know, when the spring transfer portal window hits, is, is there a guy here or there that maybe just really liked him as well? And, you know, I, I think for South Carolina – I would like to include this as well. I believe there was already a relationship, certainly with DeBron Gatling. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that for a fact. There was already a relationship there, obviously. And then I, I believe there was with Mazio Bennett as well. So this will not be a complete and total transition for South Carolina with their current incoming freshman at that position either. And with the coaching shuffle, Justin Stepp moves over from coaching wide receivers to coaching tight end, Leah, you know, taking the spot that – Jody Wright left behind to go take the uh, the Murray State job. And, again, there, there's certainly similarities between tight end and wide receiver. So, um, you know, it, it Preston brought up the point this morning, the biggest problem will be, maybe be him walking into the wrong room the first couple times or maybe looking at film the wrong way uh, and kind of analyzing what the tight ends are doing. But, a guy, again, a guy that's already been on the staff, already familiar with everybody that's, that's in there, that should be kind of a smooth transition, you would think, going over to tight ends. Yeah, I, I think uh, certainly – with the way this staff and most staffs in college football operate, you all you all know each other, right? Like you you know everybody in the building, and um, you know you kind of know 
how everybody operates, uh, you know, basically how the schedule is going to be handled. And, you know, for, for step, is there going to be – it's going to be a little bit weird at first, obviously, because you've, you've been a receiver guy basically your entire coaching career. You played wide receiver. So, yeah, it'll be different. But uh, I think in, in terms of just knowing the guys and prior relationships and all that stuff won't really be – that different at all you can for the most part keep your recruiting territories intact there's always a little shift here or there when you bring in new guys uh, you know Jody Wright certainly had some areas in the state of South Carolina that you would look for for different people to kind of slide into as far as just those recruiting areas not necessarily by position but by territories and so slight shifts I would say but for the most part I don't think it's anything that is going to be a huge concern you know, as far as step, just kind of taking over that spot. Yeah, not you know familiarity, obviously, with the program, players, familiarity. Um, you know, Coley will be, as you said, Wes. He he knows some of the guys that are going to be on this roster, others not, and and you'll be kind of starting from scratch from that standpoint. But this is a guy that, and Shane Beamer mentioned this um, in the in the press release that went out when when this hire was officially announced. You know, this is a guy that's got a lot of experience. You know, he's got position versatility, even though he will coach the wide receivers at South Carolina. He's been, as you said, Tyler, a coordinator before. I actually got a uh, text from somebody who pretty close to, to Georgia um, after Coley's hire was announced and just said, hey, this is a really, really good hire um, and kind of pointed out that, remember, Coley and Shane Beamer were both on Kirby Smart's initial staff in Athens, 2016, 2017. They both were on that staff. And it was pointed out that, hey, Georgia probably doesn't get or definitely does not get a lot of those guys from South Florida that they got in those early years. Mm-hmm. You know, Ridley, for instance. I mean, there's a there's a long list of them yep. that Coley was really responsible for helping them get in on those guys and land them. Absolutely. And last bit of information here, uh, starting Lucas getting extended as the outside linebacker and uh, ends coach through the end of 2025. And, you know, he was obviously a big part of, bringing in a guy like Dylan Stewart in this past recruiting class. We talked about Gilbert Eggman's coming back uh, to South Carolina. Obviously played, you know, under um, under Stern Lucas when he was here. So, um, you know, just an extension for him going through the end of next season. Yeah, and I think anybody who's listened to us at all has probably heard us praise the work that Sterling Lucas has done so far as a college coach. Made a um, made a, uh, a strong push um, – you know, with several guys and then landed them. I, I think just the, the the job he did getting Des U, which was a big boy recruiting battle, then, of course, you know, getting Dylan Stewart was highly involved with Nick Harbour as well. And, you know, I, I think it is someone who has quite a few times been called a rising star in, in college football, sort of, uh, you know, among the assistant coaching ranks. That, that continues here. Other... Other places would love to hire Sterling Lucas, which also kind of played into this, it, it seems like. So, you know, I, I think for South Carolina, it's just a matter of rewarding hard work and good work here. And, you know, with Sterling Lucas, I, I think you're going to only continue to see kind of his his light shine bright. And, you know, I expect him to keep bringing in talented guys at that edge position and, and continue to kind of grow it as things go forward. Yeah, if you're South Carolina, you're – probably going to have to continue to be proactive uh, with Sterling Lucas. He's now earned a couple different raises and extensions, and he's only been on staff for a couple seasons. 
So it just shows you, you know, what Shane Beamer thinks of him. And as you said, Wes, I mean, the proof has been in the pudding with the type of guys that he's been able to attract to South Carolina. Um, a lot of people, I think people across the country are taking notice too. You remember uh, during Harbor's recruitment, a lot of people in Michigan were talking about Sterling Lucas and because hey, Michigan was in on Nick Harbor for a while. And they said, man, like, we've heard a lot of things about this guy and how he's a really good recruiter. Had never done it before, you know, is the interesting thing. He played at NC State from Orangeburg originally, played at NC State, and then was just a, a, a graduate assistant in the weight room and on, on the defensive staff, and from there started his NFL career, um, meaning as, as an assistant. And so when Shane Beamer hired him, no experience as a recruiter, but he just kind of checked a lot of the boxes and criteria for what you think uh, it may take to be a good recruiter. You know, young, energy, and he checked those boxes then, and, and it's really it's played out to where those things have translated. Did, did I dream this, or did, didn't one of the – I think it was one of the Michigan writers. Wasn't he basically like Michigan should hire Sterling Lucas? Yes. Like in the uh, middle of – Yeah. Oh, that's probably good. Yeah. I'm like, okay, dude, like – yeah, it makes sense, but he's also from Orangeburg, so, <laughs> I mean. Why not? Good, good luck. Might be a little too cold up there for him. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game in Florence. Streaming, as always, on the 107.5 The Game app, which you can download from your respective app stores, as well as on the game TV. Kentucky with the basketball. 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 Kentucky with. The... <laughs> well, I tried to play you Ashton Watkins' cool dunk last night, but our audio is acting up. Regardless, Ashton Watkins had a very sweet dunk last night in the women's game as they end up taking down Sa- uh, Kentucky, ninety-eight to thirty-six, continuing on their undefeated streak, moving to sixteen and zero on the season. Some tough games coming up, but. You know, last night, you know, when you kind of look at the first couple games of uh, conference play for the Gamecocks, yes, you know, scoring in the 80s, but giving up a lot of points. And last night, they, they kind of got back down to that lockdown defense again, holding to, to Kentucky to just 36. Yeah, it was a great remix you had there, Tyler. But well, You guys could have started rapping off of it if you wanted Chris, to. Chris did. You didn't hear him? But I didn't hear him. Nah, so, <laughs> it didn't, I mean, Kentucky, not that long ago, was winning the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, Pretty proud program, as we know, in, in basketball, men or women. So that that was as dominant of a win in SEC play that I have ever seen, I feel like. And, you know, Kentucky just looked – they looked like they were beat down by South Carolina. Like they were, they were done by midway through the second half, it felt like to me. The, the amount – just the balance that South Carolina has at this point, whether you, t- you want to talk about that in terms of – Inside presence, outside presence, balance in terms of just the depth. I mean, they, they bring in, you know, they, they just go so, I mean, they go 10 deep basically, and there's not even a huge drop-off. And so even the combination of just kind of uh, very technically sound and, and workman-like players, and then you got the flashiness of Malaysia Fulwiley and then Ashton Watkins, who's just become, I mean, her, her step forward from – Last year to this year, I feel like it has been huge. And she dunked that thing with ease. Yeah. No, 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 uh, 
and was on a breakaway, so she wasn't contested at the basket or anything like that. But yeah, kind of kind of turned it into the highlight factory for a moment there. And was that her first one at Colonial Life? I know she's had another one. Was that on the road? She's actually had multiple, according to Chris Wellbaum. Have you have I you seen this? Chris. Have you seen this tweet? Um, it, what is it? Three now? At three at CLA. Three at CLA. Is okay. that right? Or were you saying three total? She had one against Clemson. Because, but that was in Clemson. That was in Clemson. I say Brad's, which is even cooler in my Brad opinion. Brad said two, and it implied that that was the first one at Colonial Life, but maybe there was another she, one. She had a couple opportunities at a game earlier this year, and one of them popped out, and one of them hit the rim. But as you said, Wes, she has plenty of uh, she gets plenty of air. That that one looked easy. So, well, bomb. Twelve hours ago, there's some confusion about how many career dunks Watkins has. She go. was credited with a dunk last season against Charleston Southern, plus the dunk at Clemson, and then the dunk last night for three career dunks. That ties okay. her for the second most in NCAA history. I guess the wow. one at, Cl- at Charleston Southern just kind of got forgotten about a little bit. It must not have been as who, who as has impressive. the most. I don't know. And and Don went to mention this later on last night, and I don't have the audio that I can play right here, but, like, dunking in women's basketball at the college level, it is still a newer oh. phenomenon where it does, you know, it, it makes headlines more than it does in, in, in the men's game, but it's becoming more of a prevalent thing. It's not something that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened now. It's like, oh, that was cool. You know what I mean? And, and Preston and I were having this conversation this morning. I don't know if that goes back to, like, you know, the advancements in training and, you know, it's not like tall female basketball players are a new thing. Like they're all in Ashley Watkins herself isn't all that tall. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to, to wonder why that it's becoming more prevalent in the college game now. Did you look it up? We both looked it up at the same time. Brittany Griner. Yeah. 18 career dunks. Okay. So she's got a ways to go. Might be tough to top. Who is there like a top five list or is it just her that you see? It's Brittany Griner, Big Gap, and, and then you said Ashlyn Watkins is tied for second already? That's what Chris Wellbaum said. Candace Parker was the first to do it in an NCAA tournament game okay. in 2006. Uh, a story from the AP, Doug Feinberg, says there's, and this is of as of last, well, not last year anymore, 2022, November, there had only been eight players who had dunked in a college game. Now, presumably... Watkins was added to that list. So I guess there's not. There's not. Okay. Oh, there's been 50 women that have dunked in a game. You know who the first one was? There. Trivia. You know who the first no, one was? I don't. Shamik Holdsclaw of Tennessee. Really? Yep. Obviously. Wes knew that. Um, but no, so it, it takes some. It, it's one thing, I think, to physically be able to do it and, and do it when you kind of can get a running start and not dribble and all that stuff and there's no pressure. It takes a, especially in social media age. Yep, takes some guts to go up there and try it, knowing you might get rejected. Basically, yeah, no, absolutely, very, very, uh, very cool dunk last night against South Carolina, cruising to a pretty comfortable victory, ninety-eight to thirty-six over Kentucky. Got a couple of road tests coming up here with uh, Texas A&M on the road on Sunday, and then the big matchup LSU next Thursday uh, down there in Baton Rouge. Going to be a big game. Now LSU coming off of a Bit of a tough Got loss beat. themselves this weekend against Auburn. And um, I always enjoy a Mulkey press conference after a loss. Yes. It was entertaining. What did she say? Well, they they lost because they watched the the uh, men's game. 
Hmm. Yeah. Sure. Of all the reasons. <laughs> Y'all see uh, game day is going to be Yeah, game day is going to be there. It's going to be cool. a big deal. Um, Because it was one it was one and two when they faced off last year here because LSU was unbeaten at that point in time, I believe. Yeah. So LSU's, I mean, South Carolina's the only unbeaten team left in college basketball, but um, LSU will still be a top 10 team by that point in time. So big matchup. Yeah, it'll be fun. Y'all see, uh, I know we don't have time. Y'all see Gigi's interview? I did. With Shaq. Yeah, yeah cool moment I mean, for him. Pretty awesome. Wouldn't we all react that way if we heard Shaq talking to us? Yeah, that, that was cool. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next, halftime show with Terry Ford here on the game. 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game out in Florence. Streaming as always on the 107.5 The Game app and now on The Game TV. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.